And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're going to talk barbecue today later in the show, uh, matching uh, some classic uh, barbecue uh, items to wine. And Casey, you want me to chill the wine, is that right? Yes, I do, Tony. Uh, we'll head over to West Vancouver. We're going to have our first chat ever with Peter Oates. He's the owner of Carmelo's uh, Restaurant in uh, in the heart of Ambleside. Casey, have you ever ordered a pizza from Carmelo's? I haven't, Tony, but I'm waiting for you to invite me for dinner there. Thin crust pizza. Unbelievable. And then we go back to the Okanagan. Gene Colbert joins us. Uh, he's going to talk about regenerative farming. He's on a farm. Casey, have you been to a farm and a winery that's on the same site before? No, I haven't. Uh, we're going to do it today in Oliver, and uh, they got some great tours there. We'll talk all about that. But up next, John Bishop joins us, and we find out that he's going to be open much longer than we thought. With a new Spanish chef. All that coming up next on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Don't go away. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Save On Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection now at saveonfoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. In days of yore, thirsty travelers carry their wine in traditional Spanish wineskins known as bodas. And from that ancient tradition comes a 21st century inspiration. Introducing Boda, highly approachable, fruit-forward wines in 100% recyclable containers. With Boda Box, there's no light, no air. Boda Box keeps the elements out and the wine fresh for up to 30 days after opening for convenience you can take anywhere, anytime, even at home. Boda Box, this is how we Boda. Find out more at BodaBox.com. The Modest Butcher Kitchen and Market at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery in West Kelowna is ready for spring dining. Now featuring extended hours from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week. Reservations are now being accepted. All COVID safety protocols are in place for your comfort and safety as well as that of their staff. For those who would like to enjoy the Modest Butcher in the comfort of your own home, Modest Joe's Takeout is also available. For further information, visit ModestButcher.com. Bold. Award-winning. Discover Gold. Our tasting room at Gold Hill Winery is open and ready to welcome locals. We're supporting our BC wine drinkers as they support BC winemakers. Become a member of our wine club and we'll send the taste of Oliver Nasoyas right to your door with free shipping. Discover Gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. 
Uh, real happy to have with us our next guest. In fact, we're going to talk to a couple of local restaurateurs today on the show. Uh, one who's very world famous, one who maybe hopes to be world famous. Our first guest is John Bishop, uh, a well-known name in the business. In fact, Bishop's opened in 1985, and they're still there. And the good news is they may be around a bit longer than we thought. John, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Anthony. Good. Great to catch up with you. You're surviving. It's been a brutal couple of years. Have you learned more than you ever want to know about the business now? Well, really, I, I, I never thought we'd be doing takeout at Bishop's, but it's been quite successful, uh, or Bishop's at Home, as we call it, and a lot of support from our guests um, in that regard. And uh, we're optimistic going forward that things are going to get a le- little easier and, uh, you know, as the, there's there's some light on the horizon yeah and, and john you just don't offer your menu you know your whole menu for takeout i mean you have to think no. differently right so what what do you yeah. think about when you do takeout well you this is the reveal you know when a customer gets our bishops at home menu uh the idea is that when they open that little package that it will not be the same as obviously in the restaurant but it'll be as delightful really as a, a little treat at home and uh, we try to give each guest that's ordered takeout a, a little special extra something or other towards that end yeah so it's been it's been it's been interesting for sure yes and how far ahead do you have to order takeout um well the menu's designed we can do a turnaround in about half an hour, you know, 20 minutes or so. Some of the dishes, like the baby baby back ribs, take about 20 minutes to do. But, um, no, it's been pretty pretty seamless, really. Yeah, and, uh, and people have been ordering wines. We discounted our wine list 30% for takeout, and that's been quite popular, too. Yeah, wow. and, and when you think about takeout, you're not... Worrying about the glassware or uh, plating no. or serving, so it's a good no. deal. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just a different, a completely different uh, way of doing business. But as I say, mm-hmm. it's been very successful actually. And the, just a current update: Are you allowed? What percentage of people can you have inside, or you uh, don't 50%. have much outside? I guess. So we're seating. Uh, we've got social distancing. The restaurant actually looks as nice, or even nicer than it ever did, because we've got lots of room between tables. So we can yeah. seat uh, twenty guests uh, with two seatings, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're. That's what we're doing pretty much, especially on the weekends. Yeah. And you have a new chef from Spain? That's right, from an island called Minorca, not Mallorca, Minorca. And uh-huh. he's, uh, yeah, he's very proud. And, and he, he's kind of uh, blending West Coast cooking with the influences from, from his part of Spain. Yeah, so, of course, summertime with lots of ripe berries and fruits and things. And it's been really, really exciting, yeah. I noticed, uh, I, I don't know if I can say this right, Salmarejo. Salmarejo, yes. Salmarejo. Uh, yes. That, that sounds like him. That sounds like him, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, um, yeah, and he's, he's a stickler because he, I said, well, let's, let's just call it gazpacho. And he said, no, 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 it's not gazpacho. It's a cold <laughs> soup, but it's not gazpacho. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, what is it? I see it's tomatoes, strawberries, green strawberries, peppers. Strawberries, yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a puree without dairy. Um, 
I still want to refer to it as a Spanish gazpacho, but anyway, it's 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 quite a beautiful soup and tastes delicious too. Well, but we can retrain you, John. It's possible. I know. It's never I too know. late. You can't take the English <laughs> out of me or the British out of me. No. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. been interesting times, and fortunately, my staff have stayed very loyal, uh, as my customers have. So. Um, as I say, going forward, uh, I'm, I'm thinking quite positive about things. Yeah. What have, What have you missed the most, and what, or and what have you perhaps oh. enjoyed the most after well, all this? Well, uh, I miss like everybody when you're in hospitality. You know, the opportunity to shake people's hands or give them a hug. Um, you know, close contact. Yeah. Uh, I miss that every day. I mean, it feels you know. Like you're not doing your job because you're social distancing. You feel like you're being unfriendly or something. Um, what have I enjoyed about it? Well, um, I suppose maybe more time at home, a little mm-hmm. bit, cooking at home with the family. Uh, I've enjoyed that. I still enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, I've been in the business so long that uh, I just I love the routine of going in and and make, you know making friends and hospitality. Yes. And you've got plans for a new book. Yes, I'm working on book five. We've really documented all the recipes, which ties into cooking cooking at my house, in, you know, another version of it. Um, 30 days. What I did was when we were closed, I every meal that I cooked, I documented it. So the sort of essence of the book is 30 days of cooking with love for you. Oh, wow. wonderful. Yeah, uh, but you know, the Canadian book publishing is um, is not easy, so try to get a book published these days as opposed to the previous four books. Uh, it's it's not easy. No, it's not. But, um, I, you know, at the very worst, I'll take it to TR Trades and get them to spiral balance it or something. Like so are, <laughs> are you going to self-publish? I think, well, I talked to... You know, Barbara Jo, uh, formerly of Books to Cooks, yes. she had done that twice with her book. So uh, she's been very helpful uh, in that regard. So, it, yes, if I have to, yeah. Yes, uh, I think that would be a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, could be just an electronic book, too. The other thing which I've been too. working on, it. pardon, Anthony? Well, it could be just an electronic book as well. That yes, could it could, yeah. Um yeah, no, that's a, that's a thought too. Um, Graham Kerr, you know, did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last book that he did, it was all electronic, and he was very uh, he was very proud of that. Um, the other thing we've been working on, of course, like everybody wants to go and travel, and our our journeys with heart that we've done for twelve years or more, fundraising for various little charities. Um, we're planning to do two trips uh, starting next year. To One is to Scotland. It's a single malt whiskey tasting, mm-hmm. a single malt whiskey tour, uh, 15 days to Scotland, which is actually sold out, but we're going to add another another trip to it, so do a back-to-back trip. Yep. Oh. Nice. And the other one is to Provence in 2023, and we're going to rent a, a large villa for seven nights and have three days in Nice, two, de- two, two nights in Lyon. And hopefully we can ask Barbara Jo to come down and join us too. Oh, that, that yeah. would be wonderful. People, yeah, miss, yeah. people miss Barbara Jo. 
We sure do. She was so much a part of the culinary community, you know, brought some amazing chefs to town. Yes. Um, she seems to be okay in in, in the Loire Valley. Uh, I haven't spoken to her just recently, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably a bit tough because she, she's got, I think, three rooms in a... Yes. An inn, and um, yes, I think that now she has boarders coming in from the small town. Yes. Well, and she put out, I'm sure, a considerable amount of money to develop that yes. place. Yeah. So hopefully we can get together when we're in France. Yeah, that could be good. Yeah, our, yeah. By the way, our guest is John Bishop, of course, from Bishop's Restaurant at uh, 2183 West 4th. I think everybody knows the restaurant. It's been there uh, for such a long time. John, what what about uh, your current hours of operation? Yeah, we're open uh, Tuesday to Saturday, 5.30 to 10, and um, have beautiful uh, flowers. Uh, Teresa's baking fresh focaccia every day. Uh, we have a beautiful seasonal menu. As I said earlier, you know, the spacing has created an even nicer ambiance in the little place that uh, I call my second home. Right. That's nice. So Teresa's yeah. your wife. She's gone from being a designer of beautiful right. clothing to, to your full, pastry chef. Full-time baker. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the teacher that she is, of course, it has to be perfect every time yes and um <laughs> yeah it, it's it's it that's been a, a change too so and your yeah. daughter is doing public relations Gemma, Gemma I yeah work she's with her all relations. the time yeah uh, she's um she's doing very well because uh, more than ever restaurants and resorts need uh public relations so she's been really quite busy and my son is a landscape architect. Yes. Surprisingly, people have been spending a lot more time in the garden, and uh, so he's been really busy, too. Wow. Yeah. All good. Yeah, uh, all good. Uh, John, and the takeout is earlier, right? It's 5.30 to 8 p.m. Uh, that's, that's the cutoff right. for takeout? We, we, that's right. We're doing 5.32 to 8, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's been quite popular. It depends on the day, but... Uh, Especially as the weather's picked up, people sit out on their balcony or back deck, and yeah. I've had all kinds of photos back of people taking it home and plating it on their plates. We had one couple drove in, they're celebrating their 16th wedding anniversary, and they got married at our place. And on their anniversary this year, they came into town and with their camper van, fully set up with flowers, champagne sat outside the restaurant and had their anniversary dinner outside. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't <laughs> I haven't been away from my house in in about 14 months and my no. wife my wife texted me on the weekend and said happy anniversary. Which <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, it's surprising with the takeout um how many people are still celebrate, you know, celebrating birthdays, anniversaries. Yeah. Via via takeout. Yes, yeah, it's quite John. Life goes on. Yes, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, John. Great to catch up with you, and I hope our listeners uh, take advantage of either dining or grabbing some takeout from really a Vancouver institution, Bishops on West Fourth Avenue. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, you two. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye.
John Bishop, uh, quite a guy, a real gentleman, and a fantastic restaurateur. We'll take a quick break. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Up next, Gene Covert joins us. We're going to talk about regenerative farming at Covert Farms in the Okanagan Valley. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Save On Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection now at saveonfoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. Come celebrate 10 seasons with the Wine Experience Centre team at Black Hills Estate Winery. Enjoy our new releases while basking on the sunny Vineyard Terrace or become a wine club member and enjoy a wine experience in one of our private cabanas while discovering the 2019 Nota Bene. Can't make it to the Okanagan this summer? You can also join us from the comfort of your own home with one of our virtual wine tasting sets. For more information, follow us on Instagram or to reserve a tasting, visit blackhillswinery.com. In days of yore, thirsty travelers carry their wine in traditional Spanish wineskins known as bodas. And from that ancient tradition comes a 21st century inspiration. Introducing Boda, highly approachable, fruit-forward wines in 100% recyclable containers. With Boda Box, there's no light, no air. Boda Box keeps the elements out and the wine fresh for up to 30 days after opening for convenience you can take anywhere, anytime, even at home. Boda Box, this is how we Boda. Find out more at BodaBox.com. Experience award-winning wines on the covered patio at Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. The tasting room is open daily from 11 to 6. For exclusive VIP experiences, join the Crush Club and get three shipments a year to top up your cellar, 15% discounts, early access to new release wines, and admission to the Wine Club Lounge. Keep up to date with spring wine tastings and estate-only promotions on their Instagram feed. Plus, Miradoro Restaurant is now open daily for outdoor patio dining with a new spring menu. For details, visit tinhorn.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Back in the saddle again. Whoopie tie, I oh, rocking to and fro. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're heading up to the Okanagan. You can tell by the music. It sounds like we're going to a ranch. Actually, we're going to a farm, very special farm, Covert Farms. In Oliver, B.C., Gene Covert joins us. He's the owner of the uh, farm, which is a winery and a working farm as well. Gene, how are you? I'm doing great, Tony. And how are you doing, Casey? I'm wonderful. And um, there's quite a history to Covert Farms. How long have you been farming? Uh, our farm's been uh, in the family for a little over 60 years. Uh, my grandfather started it in 1959. Wow. That's a good long run. I was just going to say that farm was there long before people even thought about growing grapes in a major way in the Okanagan. It it was, yes. And uh, my grandfather, he started with uh, tomatoes and onions in the first few years, but um, was accustomed to a scale from California that was was a little too large for BC and quickly had to diversify. And, um, yeah, and we got into grapes in the uh, mid-60s. Yeah. 
Well, let's start about, let's talk a little bit about the Covert Farms. You're in Oliver now. You're just, uh, is it best to say you're just south of McIntyre Bluff? Would that be the best way to describe it or north of the town, I guess? Yes, yeah. McIntyre Bluff is the iconic uh, rock bluff at the north end of the Oliver area. And our farm um, sits up against it on the south side there on a uh, plateau that's roughly about uh, 120 meters above the valley floor. It must have been a challenge to go into uh, grapes, growing grapes. Um, well, growing anything is a challenge, uh, you know, with uh, Mother Nature and, you know, ever-evolving markets. Um, our farm has gone through uh, many iterations over the years, and um, we've uh, been in vineyards and ground crop and orchards and back to vineyards again, and now we've started a winery you know, a little over 10 years ago. It's described as a 650-acre regenerative organic farm uh, vineyard and winery. So let's start with that. Let's talk about regenerative organic. How would you explain to the public uh, the the growing system that you employ? Well, regenerative organic is uh, well, it's a bit of a mouthful, but um, the regenerative side is is fairly uh, easy to kind of get your mind around. Um, if, if you kind of think of uh, conventional farming as somewhat uh, degenerative, you're kind of using uh, resources from other parts of the world and importing them onto the farm and um, a lot of inputs um, that come from off-farm. Um, and then you can think about sustainability, whereas uh, you're kind of in the same place all the time. And regenerative farming is taking that farming resource, um, acknowledging that probably some of the past farming techniques uh, we're damaging the, the ecosystem and regenerating those um, ecosystem processes again, such mm-hmm. as nutrients and water cycling. Well, uh, I know we talked earlier in a, in a different situation about wine, but you have introduced cattle into your vineyard as well uh, recently, which I think shocks some people when they go by. But that's another uh, that's a good input in the vineyard, I would imagine. It is. It's, um, you know, like everything, um, it takes proper management to make it work harmoniously. Um, So we we put our cows into the vineyard in the late fall, early winter, uh, and they uh, feed on the cover crops that we grow uh, to support the grape health uh, during the growing season. And so that residue that's left there, uh, the cows eat that, they spread manure around uh, the vineyard, um, don't do any damage to the vines over winter, and help uh, increase nutrient cycling come following year. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Gene Covert. He's the owner of Covert Farms in Oliver, British Columbia. Gene, are you are you concerned about um, having enough water? Yeah, you're asking that on a day where it's already 31 degrees Celsius, and we have uh, the driest uh, one of the driest springs on record, um, and it's it's always kind of been in the back of my mind being on a, a high plateau we have to pump all of our water from the wells on the belly floor and so part of the regenerative farming one of the benefits that spins out of it by protecting the soil surface from excess heat with plant cover and um, using uh, minimal tillage and uh, using animals to help uh, cycle nutrients and maintain uh, and build carbon in the soil we're building up that soil sponge that stores water and allows it to flow uh, slower through the soil profile. And, um, and hopefully, in, and we're seeing this already, it's reducing our water inputs. And um, if we do it right, 
long enough, we should be able to uh, hopefully dry farm our grapes. Mm. So you're kind of weaning weaning the grapevines off of water eventually. That would be the goal. That's our goal, yeah. So we've uh, we've been actually training them for a long time to have uh, our irrigation technique is to water um, very deep and then very infrequently because um, that way we're watering the vines and pushing the roots deeper and, and also kind of helping to manage the um, vineyard vegetation, the floor of the vegetation, um, yeah. so it doesn't get too excessively uh, too much growth because um, of too much frequent waters. That's just shallow watering. Then you're just watering weeds. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, well, yeah. listen, uh, of course you're a winery. People can drop by and taste wine there, but you've got a lot of other kind of interesting things going on. Tell us about some of the experiences that consumers can uh, have when they visit Covert Farms because it's uh, it's not all just about wine. No, it's uh, we're... A- a whole mixed farm with uh, livestock and organic fruit and vegetable fields. And uh, one of the great ways to uh, experience the farm is take one of our tours. Uh, We have a couple uh, vintage trucks dating back from the uh, late 50s and early 60s that we take guests around the farm. Um, They can see the vineyards and ground crops, uh, get out and pick a few things and learn about regenerative farming and see it in, in action. And that all uh, uh, follows up with uh, wine tasting and charcuterie on our patio. So it's, um, it's a great experience, and we also have other tasting experiences uh, that um, people can make by reservation um, throughout the week. How kid-friendly are these experiences? Uh, very kid-friendly. Um, we, we have three kids of our own, and I've uh, always thought that... Uh, uh, food, wine, and family all go together, and um, kids shouldn't be excluded. So um, coming up in July, my daughter runs um, a program for giving uh, mini farm tours for uh, the kids of families uh, while the parents can sit and do a wine tasting. And uh, those are also bookable on our website. I'd love Fantastic. to do both those things, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for people, yeah, I mean. It's a lot of fun. People who may not know, many people do, so we mentioned uh, McIntyre Bluff. A lot of people come by at your property, and they can pick up the trail to walk to the top of McIntyre Bluff as well if you're a hiker. So there's there's a lot to do there. Uh, you even caution yep. them to take water and wear shoes, which is uh, awfully wise of you and uh, pretty dumb of them, but it's kind of, <laughs> I guess you get tired of telling them that. Well, you do get a few people uh, that do forget to take water and... Um... You know, it's a four-hour round trip, and it's quite hot right now. But uh, uh, we haven't been doing too many of the hikes just recently because of COVID. Um, it's just um, difficult oh, yeah. to manage uh, the numbers and such. So um, that's kind of off the slate and uh, maybe might come back next year. Are there any better tomatoes than tomatoes from the Okanagan Valley? I don't think so, not I at all. I don't either. That's no. fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, and um, yeah, they're uh, they'll be coming up um, near the end of uh, July and all the way through till the end of September or later mm-hmm. if we don't get frosted. So, yeah. um, yep, there's a good window for getting those. And- what do you think about this year already? I've been talking to some people, telling me they're ahead a bit. How do you see it in terms of the farming and where you're at at the moment? It's been um, it's been a pretty even year. Um, it's, we're almost day to day to last year. Uh, and so we're, we're pretty happy with where we're, 
we started and where we're going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it's always it's always September that's the uh, the wild card uh, in the year. You know, and um, last year we just had a fantastic warm, dry September that finished everything nice and uh, clean. Yeah. Uh, I think the year before we had a, a rainy uh, September and it, it, it posed some challenges uh, for some growers. So, yep. um, so far we're off to a great start and uh, hopefully it stays that way. And Gene, I'm sitting with your first ever Chardonnay, which will be um, out on the market, I guess, in the next little while. Yes, we've just started, uh, well, it's been in our tasting room now for the last month, and we just have uh, some limited uh, release in the Okanagan Valley to some uh, restaurants and um, um, wine stores. And so do you have a separate Grand Reserve Chardonnay, or is this? Uh, we do. We have one in the works uh, that will be released um, in September. Uh, so it's still in barrel and still having some work done on it. Uh, it gets weekly uh, batonnage, which is uh, stirring of the leaves to add a bit of mouthfeel to the to the finished wine. So uh, it's still ongoing. Uh, well, I would uh, tell our listeners, first of all, you can check everything out at covertfarms.ca. You can go online. You can uh, uh, look at what you can do during a visit. Of course, you can buy wine, order wine, and uh, see all the different things that you can do at Covert Farms. Uh, it's fantastic to have a quick chat with you uh, at the moment. Gene, you are not in a, a sub-app. Are you going to be in your own sub-app soon? Uh, not sure yet. Um, I've been talking to a couple of the neighbors uh, and seeing if we could do something about that because we are you know, uniquely yeah. um, positioned kind of as a center valley kind of south aspect right. um, plateau as opposed to you know, a left side or right side or east or west so um yeah and then the uh, geologic formation of mcintyre bluff is a different rock type than the other uh, mountains on either side of the valley so it it does lend itself to um uh, down the roads to a, a maybe a subappellation which would be kind of fun it would be it would be uh, well i mean it all takes time but it's all uh, i think it's all worth pursuing uh, good luck with the season. It's off to a good start, and uh, your new Chardonnay's out, and you're improving your land, and uh, I have a feeling you're going to leave it better than the way you found it. So that's the whole, uh, I think that's the whole goal now for people in the wine business. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, uh, Tony and Casey. I appreciate the interview. Yeah, yeah great to chat with you. We'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye okay. Gene Colbert, he's the owner of Colbert Farms, uh, and you'll find them just tucked behind McIntyre Bluff in the north end of the town of Oliver. From Vancouver to Victoria, Kamloops to Kelowna and all points in between, BC Food & Wine Radio is now heard in 20 cities for a total of 34 plays weekly. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, five diamond service from a West Vancouver restaurant. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. It's a new normal. My husband and I want to get away, need something to look forward to. So we decided to book a weekend away at a European wellness resort right here in BC. Plan an escape without leaving the province at Sparkling Hill Resort, overlooking the beautiful Okanagan Valley. Relax and focus on your health and wellness at this luxury resort. Check out the immersive wellness packages available and learn more about this undiscovered gem today at sparklinghill.com. 
Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. If you're a wine lover and you're ready for something new, try a little long-distance therapy. It's the wine club four out of four wine lovers would probably agree on. With 15% off therapy wine, discounted shipping, 20% off regular seasonal rates at the Inn at Therapy Vineyards, access to exclusive library wines, and more. Click therapyvineyards.com and choose your tier and frequency of delivery and sit back and wait as some of the Okanagan's finest is delivered direct to your door. Sign up today at therapyvineyards.com. Red Rooster Winery invites you on a sensory journey from grape to glass. Savor the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountain views from their estate on the Naramata Bench. This month, Red Rooster is featuring their award-winning and estate-grown Reserve Malbec, the perfect bold red to complement any occasion. Seated tastings are offered Thursday through Monday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. this spring. Come for the views, stay for the wine. Visit redroosterwinery.com for more info. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Cover me in sunshine. Shower me with good times. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're moving back to the North Shore now, to uh, West Vancouver. Uh, for someone I want to talk to a long time ago, never really got around to it, Peter Oates is the owner of Carmelo's a Restaurante. It's an Italian restaurant in the heart of Ambleside. It's been there for a long time, and Peter is a beloved member of the uh, West Van community because of the way he runs his restaurant. Peter, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, Peter, yeah, great just to have you. because of your accent, I want to know how did you end up in Vancouver? Um, well, that's a kind of a long story, but I started off on cruise ships, and uh, while on uh, cruise ships, Princess Cruises, the Alaska run, I was on leave, I was due for some leave, and um, flying out of Vancouver back to London, I sat next to a very nice young lady, and we exchanged uh, 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 passport photographs to have a little bit of a laugh, and for some reason, her passport ended up in my traveling bag, and when she arrived in Milan... <laughs> Without a passport, uh, the first phone call was to me to, uh, to retrieve it for her. So I ended up burying that uh, that nice young lady and uh, have two, wow. uh, two daughters now. So that's how I ended up in Vancouver. It's always about a woman, isn't it? It always is about a woman, yes. And so yeah. I'm very curious because you're on cruise ships. Have you ever taken a cruise since working on a cruise ship? I have. It was uh, actually a, a, a mind-blower because uh, seeing it from the other side and seeing how cruise ships operated in the 80s compared to what they're operating now is it's, it's night and day. When we were on the, the cruises in the 80s were much smaller. Uh, the, the, the ports were less crowded. Uh, it's not any better or worse these days. It's certainly different. Uh, I traveled on Oceano, and that was a very, um, a very nice experience uh, as compared to what Princess Cruises was offering in the 80s. Uh, the, the food was far superior. The service was, was top-notch. So, yeah, it's it definitely an interesting um, seeing it from, the, from a different point of view, from a passenger, from a crew member. When we first met, you were working at the Sutton Place Hotel, which at the time uh, was a Five Diamond uh, restaurant. 
what was what is five diamond all about and what did you take away from that experience because i feel like that's what you get at carmelo's all the time well it was working with people that were mind we had that mindset that only the best will prevail uh there was a chef that i worked with called kyle Learman, and he is still to this day one of the best chefs I've ever worked with. He was infusing sea bass with tea. He was experimenting. He was well above the uh, he was well above uh, the, the rest of the bunch uh, during those times when I was in Sutton Place. And his winemaker dinners were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but really, it's just um, the ability a uh, five star or five diamond property is the ability not to say no. So if I guess one something we did have a, a very famous person that started in Cheers uh, come in wanted a whole chicken, but the chef had just uh, butchered the chickens. He had to sew it back together and roast it, and then serve it in parts. <laughs> so you just don't say no. You that, just do not yeah. say no. That's unbelievable. I've heard too of of uh, going to the concierge, and um, I think somebody, a, a fellow, checked in, and he left his briefcase in L.A. And you know, they just totally took care of it, had it there on the next flight, and you know, he didn't pay a cent for that. So what's the difference between a five-diamond restaurant and Carmelo's? Um, I would probably say decor. Uh, when it comes to five-diamond, there's certain specifications you have to have, whether it's uh, um, flower arrangements, uh, plush surroundings. Carmelo's offers the five-diamond service and the five-diamond food without the price tag that's attached to five-star five or five-diamond. So what we have... Um, Three three employees that have worked in five diamond properties uh, working on the floor and one in the kitchen. So they, they bring that uh, that experience with them, and it, it sort of shows through at Carmelo's. We, we don't often say no, to be honest, either to our guests. And no. uh, and I'll bet Peter, when you went to Carmelo's or when you bought it, there were a few microwaves in that kitchen. There were four microwaves in that kitchen, and by the end of the first week, there was uh, there was one left, and I don't think that's been used, or I think it might even still be there. But yes, it was a different it was a different era. I don't think anyone was watching the Food Channel at the same intensity as they have now. People are much more aware of where their product is coming from, whether it's local, whether it's sustainably farmed. So it's a whole different environment these days. Uh, but it's it's definitely uh, the the public are much more um, learned about food and beverage these days. I want to say that it's a local restaurant. I hope I, I, I get, you know, you know what I mean. But what, what, what is the difference? Like when a local restaurant, you know everybody, you know their stories, their kids. So how, does that play a big role in, in how it, people come and when they dine? It, it certainly does. Um, it's a local, it's a neighborhood gem. We've been around for, I've been there for 20, 20 years and it's been around for at least 30 wow. years. Uh, yeah. The regulars are just that. They're regulars. They come in. Uh, they want their regular table. They want their regular drink. And if you take <laughs> a menu off the, if you take an item off the menu, you you, you will get shot. <laughs> 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 yes, you uh, you can't you can't mess with the menu. The specials you can play around with, but the menu itself, it, it's it's only adjusted uh, through COVID for just uh, sort of light touches here and there. But people really let you know when one of their favorites is taken off. Yeah. And. Uh, Peter, I understand food costs have gone up during COVID in the restaurants. Yeah, it, they have. Uh, reading, I'm, I've been reading about it, but because of the COVID situation with the public health orders, we were uh, doing takeout only and restricted dining in. Our menu sales have been skewed somewhat. So we're doing more pizza and pastas, which give you a lower food cost. So I don't have proper data to show me where my food costs would be if we were to open up as a a 60-seat restaurant with limited takeout as we were before COVID. So 
So right now my food cost is accurate, but as soon as people start sitting down and ordering those uh, veal dishes, the beef dishes, the fish dishes, my food costs mm-hmm. will come up, and then I'm going to have to adjust prices as I see uh, when and when that gets hit. Yes, and what, what about your wine list? Wine list, I've, I try to go mostly BC, uh, but my customers weren't buying it. Uh, I had a lot of Bartier and Tinhorn, Burring Owl uh, products on the, on the wine list. But the best thing about it now is it's, it, is got, it has got a, a heavy BC presence, and um, now that we have uh, a wholesale pricing from the liquor stores, we can we can adjust and uh, uh, sell them at a more uh, advantage price for the public. It, it really has. Uh, that's been a, one of the best thing about COVID is, is getting the wholesale prices. Yeah, and it's what about you, time. What do you think yeah. about uh, what do you think about your takeout business? What will happen, or how will you adjust, or will you will you get rid of it? Will you keep it? Uh... Uh, right now, it's, it's, it's supply and demand. It's all about demand. Uh, right now, my customers are coming in are coming in the doors, but we are serving. We, we're about fifty percent capacity, and we're not filling up on the weeknights so much. Um, people are still a bit nervous and hesitant to come out. Our takeout business is still thriving, and our yeah. dine-in uh, now that we have the public health order to open, uh, our dine-in is, is getting busier and busier. But uh, we would just keep doing what we, we can do uh, to, to, to what people want. So if they want to enjoy takeout in the comfort of their own home, we're going to supply that. If they want to join, uh, join us for dinner at the restaurant, we're going we're gonna to take that reservation. So it's just adjusting to what people want. And yeah. Peter, tell us where Carmelo's is located. It's at 1448 Marine Drive. It's in the heart of Ambleside. It's about, uh, well, it's two blocks from the beach and uh, steps from the, the seawall. So it's it's very conveniently located in the heart of Ambleside. Yeah, and it's uh, one of the things, Peter. Like you don't you don't have a patio. Uh, West Van has been really slow on that uptake, particularly on Marine Drive. I think they've you know they've really sort of bungled that over the years. But what do you think about that? Will you ever get a patio at any point somewhere? Uh, what I've done is I've put in three submissions so far for, to take up um, three parking spots in front of the uh, in front of the restaurant, so we could get. Uh, seating either on the sidewalk or in those parking areas. Yeah. Uh, each time I put them in, I've been asked or requested more information, more information, more information. I know um, through the Ambleside Dundrade Business Association, they've been pushing uh, on my behalf as well and hoping to get things happening. But it's still a wait-and-see approach. I'm not sure if I'm going to need that outdoor dining uh, this year. Uh, if we're still in a public health order to be closed down and doing takeout only, I'd certainly entertain the fact. But right now... I don't know. It would be nice to have something out there. It give the uh, it give uh, the the walk by traffic uh, something to look at. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's not yes. happening at the moment though. One last question: How important is restaurant competition during COVID? I, I enjoy the competition. For example, uh, we've had a recent uh, arrival of Earls and uh, and Cora uh, to to close to Carmelo's. And what happens, it brings people down. They go into the beach, they go to Earl's, they walk around Ambleside. And we've got a lot of regular customers in the last year or two just from them not meaning to come to Carmelo's, but they bump through it, they read the menu, they see the TripAdvisor sign saying we're number one. And uh, they come in and now, now we're friends. So, yeah, I like, I like the concept of uh, competition in the area. It's healthy. Great. Mm. Nice to uh, hear that. Yeah. Peter, so great to catch up with you. And I, I know you're, you're probably going to rush off to work shortly, but uh, uh, keep on going. We love we love local, small local restaurants with the, with the kind of uh, attention that you give your guests. Uh, and I should mention Casey Tablecloth as well. Which, oh, I know. Tony's always raving um, about you, Peter. It's, and... like, it's well, unbelievably you, civilized. Unbelievably civilized. I know it's expensive and all the rest of it, but uh, there you go. I love them. And Thanks, one... Peter. Peter, one day yeah. he'll invite me for dinner to oh, Carmelo's. Yeah, I hope so. 
Sometimes you just have to have your own secret place, you know, Katie. That's, that's a, right, where everyone knows your name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Peter Oates, owner of Carmelo's. We'll talk with you soon. Yeah, great to catch up with you. Okay. Uh, thanks. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye now. Uh, Peter, he's, he's, a, he's amazing, Casey, when you're in there, like when you just see him handle the guests. And you know what I love the most about Peter, and we didn't talk about it, is that he's there at, you know, from 5 to 7, 7.30 every night, and then he's gone. His people run the restaurant. He says hello to all the guests, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to hang around until midnight. And so he's smart. He's yes, healthy, and, you know, he exactly. gets out of there when he can. And, and a lot of people just sit in their restaurant for hours, and I, I don't think that's the way to go. No. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but we'll be back. When we come back, Casey and I are going to talk about uh, some summer uh, wine pairings. She thinks all the red should be chilled. We'll talk about that, and uh, we'll go through a few of the, uh, what would you say, Casey, the major barbecue items yes. uh, people are are grilling and cooking in their backyards. Maybe some affordable and classic summer pairings. Okay, you're listening to BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. In days of yore, thirsty travelers carried their wine in traditional Spanish wineskins known as bodas. And from that ancient tradition comes a 21st century inspiration. Introducing Boda, highly approachable, fruit-forward wines in 100% recyclable containers. With Boda Box, there's no light, no air. Boda Box keeps the elements out and the wine fresh for up to 30 days after opening. For convenience, you can take anywhere, anytime, even at home. Boda Box, this is how we Boda. Find out more at BodaBox.com. The upper bench of BC's Similkameen Valley, a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. Here, nestled in a sun-laden, stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Soleil Winery. Clos de Soleil blends age-old Bordeaux varieties and a unique Similkameen minerality for wines that are elegant, age-worthy, distinctively terroir-driven. Visit them by appointment or purchase their wines online at clodesoleil.ca with free shipping offered to all BC and Alberta customers on orders of six bottles or more. Overlooking a beautiful 12-acre vineyard in the heart of the Cowichan Valley, the Unsworth Restaurant welcomes you to get away from it all. Enjoy a delectable menu and award-winning wines in our dining room or outdoor patio. Unsworth Restaurant, vineyard dining where casual meets elegant. You can find Unsworth wines across BC. Look for us at your local liquor store. Visit unsworthvineyards.com. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. Casual Modern Dining, exceptional Okanagan flavor, introducing the most anticipated new eatery in the valley. 15 Park Bistro at Watermark Beach Resort in Isuyus. Chef Nick Atkins and his team are ready to create an unforgettable dining experience for you, utilizing fresh local ingredients. 15 Park Bistro's lakeside patio with its unmatched views of Lake Isuyus is now open with inside dining coming soon. 
For reservations and more, including full takeout menu options, visit 15parkbistro.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. <laughs> I got champagne problems, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I had more of them. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about barbecuing today, folks. And uh, believe me, we might sound casual about it, but we're dead serious about what we do, especially when it comes to food and wine. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I just think that uh, although it's outside and it's fun and all the rest of it, you need to have the right, you still need to have a quality hamburger or a quality piece of fish and a nice glass of wine. That's the whole point. Don't don't drink junk. No. That's what I say. And chill the reds. Yeah, well, they shouldn't be, like, uh, at the moment, as you can see, the temperatures are really heating up across B.C., so you, know, you just don't want to have your wine. P- people take the wine outside and they put it in the sun and it's I know, 30 it degrees. Sh- it and should it just, be in a bucket of ice. It doesn't taste very good. Even, well, I don't know. Yeah, bucket even, of ice, but take it out. Don't drink it cold, but just no, make sure I that it's... No, I disagree. Michael Barche was on the show. It was hot as hell, and he said, chill well, them is, right down. What does he know? He's a Montreal Canadiens fan. Jeez, <laughs> come on. Uh, okay, let's talk about hamburgers. Okay. What's a delicious hamburger? Give me a delicious hamburger, Casey. Like, just simple, delicious hamburger. Well, one thing that's important, Tony, is you, you have to add breadcrumbs or, you know, or bread to a burger because that soaks up the moisture mm-hmm. and i i'm not one to put barbecue sauce on a burger i like them no. pretty pure do you put cheese on yours i do and that's you know a choice that you i don't know usually we do jack or cheddar nothing nothing too fancy big slice of onion yes and big slice of tomato and i don't know do you need much else french mustard or whatever your favorite mustard yeah, is yeah i think whatever m- mustard yeah. and relish you like people like mayo and so the wine i think for this i would recommend would be a malbec i certainly would say you know stick it in the fridge for a few minutes get it, get get the warmness off that glass uh, Malbec is so inexpensive, really, for a, a dense, soft, ripe style of wine. You can you can start buying them in the twelve to fourteen dollar range, all the way up to about twenty, where you're not really spending a lot of money and you're getting a lot of value. So you can experiment in that in that uh, field. If you know, if I was to give you one, I, how about the eighteen eighty four Malbec? Easy to remember that number. Uh, and you can uh, enjoy that wine at seventeen ninety nine, and you can pour it liberally, uh, you know, around the barbecue. So that's good with burgers. Works well with the meat. Cuts through the fat. Fat cuts through the wine, and there you go. Simple match. Salmon. Simple salmon. Well, we always say the Pinots, right? Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris. Pinot Noir, yeah. But what about the salmon? You're the cook. Do you want me to talk about it? Oh, you're asking me how to cook it? <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know what? I don't want you to cook it because you're going to overcook it. I never. I'd eat it raw, so I'm one of those people who always says get it off sooner than later. But uh, what would you put some lemon on it or some soy or how would you do it? Yeah, I would do it with lemon. I think that it's it's, um, when you're barbecuing, I just think it's the way to go rather than – well, some people put mayo on it before they put it on the grill. Actually, that's pretty good too. But the biggest thing is do not overcook it. And I don't know, Tony. I've overcooked it. Piece of corn? I've overcooked it. 
piece of corn, maybe some potatoes, new potatoes or something. And so Pinot Noir, of course, is the classic match. It seems to have an affinity with uh, with salmon, with West Coast salmon in particular. So that's a that's a nice match. Also, you could go the other way. You could pick a white wine and say you were a fan of uh, say Albarino, which uh, you know hails from Spain. We have a couple of Albarinos now made in British Columbia, which uh, would show well too. A lot of BC whites that you can experiment with salmon. So you can go either way. It's kind of a, it's a nice wine. You can put a bottle of each color on the table and everybody's happy. They reach for the one they want. Uh, steak is pretty straightforward. Well, we, we had a long chat about steaks with uh, with our friend with the new meat, the new uh, uh, butchery in downtown Vancouver. Oh, yes. Our Chilean friend now. Uh Cabernet Sauvignon is the classic mix, but it's more about tannins and protein. So the steak is the protein, the tannins in the wine, they interact, they break down each other, and you get this, uh, also get a bit of an umami flavor from the steak and from mushrooms, whatever you're serving with it. It's all nice. Easy match. Here's one I really like, Casey. Barbecued chicken. Yes. I mean, there's a million ways to do barbecued chicken. I don't know if you have a favorite. Uh well, I think it's diff- I think Tony, it's difficult to barbecue chicken. It's your people either undercook it or overcook it. Yeah. Well, let's say they get it right. Okay. Like if you do it a few times, you'll get it right. Yes. You gotta. You have to master the grill. But I love uh, gamay, and BC has fantastic gamay noir that that you can serve like uh, Blue Mountain. That would be one. You could pick any Beaujolais, or you could. It would be fun to have a Beaujolais and a BC gamay noir, a gamay noir, and a barbecue chicken. Be fantastic. Yeah, that sounds good. Pork chops. Everybody loves pork now. Yeah, they do, and uh, you know, pork has changed so much to, so much over the years. And I know what you're going to choose for grilled pork. What am I going to choose? Riesling. No. Well, yes, that would be a good choice. This is another one where you can go white. I was thinking about Australian Shiraz. The new ones are so they're so much toned down. They're much more forward, more fruity. So if you get like an Adelaide Hills, something from a little cooler property, uh, you should try and rediscover Australian Shiraz, pure Shiraz, with your uh, pork chop. Or as you say, Riesling's a great choice, too, uh, to go in the other way. Uh, let's go to vegetarian skewers to wrap it up, Casey. What, uh, give me, give me a skewer that's vegetarian that would taste good. Well, zucchini, mushrooms, red peppers, onions, some people put tomatoes on. Make sure that you soak those bamboo skewers for a couple hours before you thread it, uh, marinate it in, you know, olive oil and herbs for a couple hours. I would do, now I do a couple things there. One, I might consider Chardonnay because so many people love Chardonnay. And if you had a light one, that would be fun in the summer just to have some Chardonnay with your your vegetarian skewer. You could go with other single whites and experiment uh, uh, from anything from Albarino, as we mentioned, uh, Gruner Veltliner. Uh, had fantastic Pinot Blanc from BC recently from Clos de Soleil. So all those things are available. Believe me, folks, you have a nice glass of wine. Nice piece of uh, uh, something grilled from the barbecue. You sit on the deck and uh, you live like a king or a queen. How about it's a hard d- to beat. dry rosé, Tony? Can you mention one that would go Maybe. with vegetarian? Maybe. I guess if, if you live on the 95th floor, you could have a dry rosé, case. Yes, that's what I would choose, Tony. Yeah. I would go with Oracle from Corselet Vineyards yeah, in the Okanagan. choice. We're out of time. Folks, thanks for joining us today. Always uh, fun to chat with you, and we love talking to you across the province now in uh, over 30 markets. Uh, we are over 20 markets in 35 uh, plays a week. We love it. 
We'll be back after this weekend when we have a glass of wine and enjoy ourselves. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And you have a safe weekend, folks, and we'll be back as soon as we can. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.